0: It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. Good morning, Gamecock fans. It is uh, Thursday, July 16th. This is the Inside the Gamecocks podcast with J.C. Sherbert. Lots to get to today um, as we roll on through this bizarre, long, strange trip, whatever you want to call it, year. Uh, Seems with every passing day we have plenty to talk about. it's not always the best uh, topics. I'd much rather right now be talking about SEC media days, depth charts, uh, position battles, impact of new coaches, impact of new players, that type of thing. Uh, I want to direct you to the bigspur.com. Um, if you're just kind of catching this podcast and you're not a VIP member of TBS, uh, I encourage you to do it. we got lots of specials. We're going to keep you updated about the pandemic, schedule changes, potential scenarios, uh, we have something called the VIP room coming out tonight which is where all our insiders contribute uh, in various ways um, so want, want you to go check that out uh, this is not a hour long infomercial for my website <laughs> obviously because I bring it to you um, but I do want to mention that if you're not a member uh, come on check it out uh, like I said we got lots of specials where you know you can get access for Very cheap, pennies on the dollar, uh, and it's well worth it. Got a great community there, a bunch of great Gamecocks uh, that like to talk and bicker and debate and all that. It's like a virtual sports bar uh, in addition to getting access to all of our insiders uh, 24 hours a day if you have a question uh, about the Gamecocks and want our expertise. Also want to tell you to listen to the J.C. and Morgan College Football Podcast with Mike Morgan and myself. Uh, Just dropped the episode this morning. Mike brought it strong. He's got lots of connections throughout college football, working for ESPN. uh, And he really paints the accurate picture of of kind of the scenarios that are on the table for the season. And um, you hear a lot. You hear a lot of speculation. Um, You know, like last week, you heard the ACC was going conference only. Well, you know, they didn't and they may not. You know, that type of thing. Uh, And Mike really lays all that out in in greater detail. And I'm going to get to some of that. Uh, we're going to talk about the ACC and the uh, the pod system uh, that uh, was in the Richmond Times dispatch from Dave Teal, pretty connected writer there, uh, that covers the ACC. He's been sourced pretty well for years, so I think there's some validity to it. Will they end up doing that at the end of the day? I don't know. Um, and I'll explain all that to you here in a little bit. want to start off by saying I got a um, message from a user. Or I mean, sorry, not a user, a uh A listener since this is an audio deal, um, about masks. And, you know, for the past two months, whether it's JC and Morgan, whether it's on the message board, whether it's on Twitter, uh, any interviews that I do like on JB and Goldwater or uh, Tide 1029 in Tuscaloosa, which I'm on every week, um, I've just encouraged people to wear masks. and I've been doing that for several months. Um, and I think it came across a little bit the wrong way to, to, to the certain – User or I'm sorry, listener. I mean, use, users are entered as is, is an Internet term. Um, and so I want to kind of address that first. You know, OK, so my feeling is, you know, is, is that the, the entire virus has been politicized. And I agree with those people that say, I don't know what to believe, because every day the media throws out an article that says different things. I think you have some media outlets that are certainly pushing worst case scenarios you know, they're digging up things like, you know, side effects for one or two people and acting like, you know, it's this mass deal. Uh, I agree that that in the media, you have people that are making it way too big of a deal and not looking at the coronavirus, COVID-19 for what it is. Um, And I think that's a lot of fear mongering. I think some of it is political. Um, I think a lot of it, you know, does have to do with, with some of the people's worst fears in terms of, You know, these guys are are, are really trying to scare everybody um, into into staying in their house, whatever. Um, I think that, you know, you you have to ask why. You know, why would you want, you know, the American economy to wreck? Why would you want people to stay in their house, Uh, et cetera, et cetera? And I think some people are well-intended and have good intentions on that. I think some people, you know, have ulterior motives. Uh, And you can kind of look at that when you – You know, scroll through the uh, social media, you know, ecosystem. I guess ecosystem, and and you look, you know, politics, sports, whatever. uh, It's very tribalized, Uh, and I I do think that's wrong. And and I do think that when you kind of look at some of the numbers, you know, the case numbers are big, Uh, but I do think that you know the death rate is important because when you're testing a bunch of people and you're testing a lot of young people that you know, don't have symptoms or get over it, you know, I think that that's, uh, that's important to note. Um, I think it's important and it's a good thing that we're protecting our elderly and our vulnerable people. Um, I, I, I do think that. And, and so I think this virus is very unfortunate. Um, but I do think that, you know, not having as much death, if you're a human being, is a good thing, Right. It should be a good thing. So, you know, I, I, I tend to lean toward the side that says, you know, the media is out of control with how they're covering this thing. Um, I think you got a lot of, for lack of a better term, terrible reporters out there that don't go and chase stories that are for the greater good. They chase a narrative, uh, and that narrative more often than not uh, leans in one direction, and I think that's sad. I, I think, on, you know, if you look at the the major cable networks that cover news, You've got two that are leaning one direction and one that leans another. And I think that the truth is always in the middle uh, when it comes to something like this, and it's a public health deal. On masks. Okay, so I'm, I'm pro-mask. Uh, you know, I, I, I believe that that's a small thing you can do. It's very preventative. It protects other people. Uh, it helps the spread of germs. I know there are studies that say it's not going to keep you from getting the virus, but I do think it serves as sort of a buffer. I think there's enough info out there to say now it's not going to stamp out the virus or keep you from getting sick completely, but it's going to lower the chances. And it's especially going to lower the chances of you getting someone else sick. Um, and the mask does get kind of, I mean, we talked about this on JC and Morgan yesterday about mass, the mass does get kind of ranked sometimes. Uh, so you got to kind of wash it and stuff. I mean, I, I know mine, I need to probably give that a little wash and, and all that, that being said, and 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 like I said, the answer is always in the middle. There, there's exceptions to everything. If you have a health issue that's preventing you from wearing a mask, then you don't need to wear one. I mean, that, that that's the bottom line. I don't I don't know that anybody needs to be sacrificing their personal health, you know, uh, in the interest of of having to wear a mask. I just think that that's probably you know a, a bridge too far. Uh, for some people, and there are some people out there that have medical reasons why they cannot wear a mask, and this particular listener had one, and he was kind of offended, and I get that, and so I want to make sure that, hey, if you cannot wear a mask, uh, I'm not talking to you. I mean, I'm a, you know, please don't. I mean, I, I I want everybody to be healthy and happy and safe uh, as possible. That said, you know, if you're not wearing a mask because of your political beliefs, <laughs> I think that's, that's a little misguided because I don't think mask wearing should be a political issue. Uh, I, I, and I don't care what Donald Trump says about it. Um, You know, I, I, that, that's, that's, you know, the president can have his opinions um, but he's dead wrong on masks, you know, and, and, and and he's starting to come around on it. So I, I just don't think that, and look, if Joe Biden was the one questioning mask and stuff, I would say the same thing. You know, I I absolutely strongly believe that masks are not a political issue and and your political beliefs, you know, don't change one way or the other, um, wearing a mask or not. Uh, And I know that some people feel that way and that's fine. Uh, But, you know, you should wear a mask. I also don't think that if you're in Walmart and you don't have a mask on, regardless of the reason... That somebody should publicly shame you for it. Uh, You know, I think that, you know, I told this story on um, JB and Goldwater last week that, you know, there's ladies uh, out there. You you know, you're in Walmart, you're looking at the produce. You're like, stop touching my fruit, you know, if if you don't have a mask on. And uh, that's BS because this is America. And, you know, I think too often, these days, we, we publicly shame people into doing what we feel is right. And, you know, the, the power of the individual uh, in this country is what built this country. The power of the individual uh, is what has caused our society, you know, as flawed sometimes as it may be, you know, to, to be the best in the history of the world and, and to advance mankind like this country has all of us, everybody. Uh, and so individuality, in my opinion, and freedom and liberty and all that uh, are, are sacred. Now, if, if you're not wearing a mask because of your political beliefs, I disagree with you. I think it's wrong-headed and dumb. But I'm not going to publicly shame you for it in a Walmart. And so I think that's wrong, too. So anyway, I got that out of the way. It was a very eye opening message um, to the listener out there. I appreciate you sending it in. I'm glad I could clarify that. Uh, because the last thing I want you guys to think is that I'm rolling through Walmart mask up, you know, and I'm like, Hey, wear a mask. You know, no, I'm not like that. I just think if everybody did it, the numbers would come down um, and and you take some of the ammo away from the fear mongers that want to cancel college football and lock us all in our houses again, you know, because I don't think anybody wants to go back to that. You can kind of see the wheels spinning, especially with some of these governors Uh, Around the country, you know, they like that. They like to lock you down. Some of them, you know, because it's it it makes them feel powerful, uh, in my opinion. And I I honestly believe that and see that's not a most of the people that are yelling about wearing masks aren't going to tell you that, you know, so so that kind of just shows you there. I'm, you know, I kind of look at things for what they are. So, anyway, that's the mask thing. Let's get on to football. Um, Malachi Bennett, Earl Bennett's nephew, very good receiver prospect out of the state of Alabama. High three-star guy, probably has four-star potential. Uh, Of all the receivers South Carolina's either gotten or been in on, you know, I like this guy and then Keon Coleman, who's actually committed to Kansas now out of Louisiana, the best. Um, You know, Simeon Price out of Florida would rank right up there too. Uh, and then the other guys, whether it's Omega, Blake, or who – I mean, some of those other guys, I you know, are they going to be receivers? Are they going to be defensive backs? You know, we'll just have to see uh, because South Carolina right now is signing a lot of guys that, can, that are just very good athletes that you can plug and play at different positions. Um, and they need speed at the skill spot. So, you know, a lot of these guys are going to get their first crack on offense and then we'll see how it goes. Um, but uh, Malachi Bennett, you know, South Carolina – I think, based on what I've been told, the feedback he's given to the staff, uh, the feedback you see its obvious on social media, I think South Carolina is his favorite school. But he hasn't been to South Carolina. (laughs) And that's that's the nature of the pandemic. And so last night he announces he's going to commit, what is it, next Friday. And uh, all is good. Checked with some sources. Tony Morrell from the Big Spur, check with some sources. Helmer Granahan. Okay, he's going to South Carolina. Well, then this morning you wake up and it's like, well, no, you know, he hadn't been to South Carolina, uh, so he's going to probably commit to Ole Miss. But we're going to keep recruiting him and let the chips fall where they may. Um, a lot of times when a player commits, and I've covered recruiting a long time, and this is an unprecedented deal that we're in right now because we do have double the number of kids that have committed in this cycle than we had last cycle. That's a big jump within a year. I mean, kids have been committing earlier and earlier. It's been a trend, but this is a spike. And a lot of these kids have committed sight unseen. A lot of these kids haven't had a whole lot of visits, a lot of points of comparison. So when the floodgates open and you're able to visit again, I think we're going to see mass chaos. I also think, you know, there's a possibility, and uh, they were discussing this on the Barton and Bud podcast is a recruiting podcast for 24 seven sports. Josh Pate was on there filling in for Barton Simmons and Bud Elliott were on there the other day. And they brought up a good point of, will they move the second signing day? You know, will they have the first signing day in December for anybody that wants to, to, to sign? And then will they extend, you know, the signing period to like April or May, uh, and that's because a lot of high school football, you know, states, states are are canceling the fall season. Uh, Virginia, I think, jumped on that bandwagon yesterday. Uh, and that doesn't surprise me, given who runs the state of Virginia right now. But um, it's uh, it's a situation where, you know, how are you going to evaluate thoroughly – uh, if these guys are in, like, game one or two or haven't even started yet, and your first Wednesday in February rolls around. So, I, I think the NCAA will probably do that. So, that gives a wider – at that point, you know, depending on how many sign early, you have a wider delta of time, you know, to put together this class. That works out well for South Carolina, in my opinion, because, you know, if you if you make it through the season and the Gamecocks do well, get back to a bowl, have a winning record, whatever – You know, you can use that. You have time. You know, more time has passed since the 4-8 and disaster that was unforgivable for last year. Um, Maybe you can flip some guys. There's going to be a lot of guys that flip. So in this situation with Malachi Bennett, I I, I, I actually understand completely. I think it's absolutely ridiculous that twice as many kids have have committed uh, this cycle as last. I think it has to do with them being bored and at home, and instead of having, like, schoolwork and, you know, you know going to school and working out and organized team sports and activities, it's been all recruiting. And that's on the end of the college coaches too. You know, during the spring, all they really did was recruit on Zoom. Um, and, and I think recruits, to a certain extent, like the social media headlines. They like to get the attention. And, you know, so, so it's a big deal when you commit. You get a nice burst of attention. So I, I think that plays into it a lot. But what it also does is, you know, it, it, it opens you up for a lot of flips and a lot of guys that are just making reservations, so to speak. Um, and, and, and so I kind of find it refreshing that Malachi Bennett's like, hey, I love South Carolina, um, but I've been to Ole Miss. So if I'm going to commit, you know, I'm going to commit to the, what, what I know because – and you can't blame him. I think that's a rational decision. Now, there is some question about Ole Miss. We've checked with our Ole Miss sources. Um, guys down the ground down there in Oxford, part of our network, and they they haven't heard much about this kid. And so what if Ole Miss, who recently lost a receiver commit, by the way, what if Ole Miss, you know, maybe they have Bennett down the board and they want him to hold off. Personally, if I'm Malachi Bennett, uh, I'm going to hold off because I think South Carolina will always take him, barring something strange happening. I, I know they're filling up with the athlete receiver DB types but I think he's too good, you know? Um, And I don't know that for a fact. I have not confirmed that with contacts or sources, but, you know, I I think he'll have a spot. Um, If I were him, I'd just wait. I would just wait. But that obviously isn't going to happen. Um, And right now, you know, and this could change by the time he commits right now, you know, he's going to Ole Miss. So I put in a crystal, flip my crystal ball this morning to, the Rebels and Lane Kiffin, and we'll see. You know, I, I got some feedback on the site. that ah oh, Lane Kiffin's out recruiting Muschamp. You know, and, and that may end up being the case at the end of the day. I mean, I, I'm not going to discount Lane Kiffin and certainly not going to discount Ole Miss as an institution and their ability to go get recruits. Um, but this situation is not a deal where, you know, uh oh, Kiffin's just better than Muschamp and he got it. this This is a kid – actually making a rational choice and maybe going against his heart a little bit um, just because he hadn't been to South Carolina. And, and that's smart. I mean, look, I can look at pictures all day long of a place and go, man, it'd be so great to go there. Um, and maybe I'm going to go take a visit and a trip and check it out. See if I really like it because pictures can be deceiving video could be deceiving. Um, you look at the must champ virtual official visit. That's a, that's an official visit and they're they're going to edit that to make it look as good as possible. And they should. But I think to get comfortable with going to a place for, you know, several years, you know, you need to go see it in person because you get a different vibe. Um, a totally different vibe. I mean, we, we all talked about Tion Evans, Tion Evans uh, from Hartsville, the JUCO running back, surprised people. And, committed to Tennessee sight unseen and he had just driven through Knoxville and hadn't been to the campus or whatever. You know, I'll say this, you know, the Tennessee campus to me, and I've been there many times, was not what I anticipated in my mind, you know, until the first time I went there, you know, and some was good and some was like good surprise, like the volunteer Navy and, and, you know, Tennessee River and Calhoun's and all that and where the stadium's at, that's all really cool. Um, but the actual campus, yeah, I was a little surprised. It's it's kind of an urban campus, um, right there in downtown Knoxville. A lot, kind of a lot like Carolina, but a little less, I guess, rural. You know, less South Carolina at least has the horseshoe and kind of a an actual campus. So, you know, and that's just my personal opinion. I'm not knocking Tennessee or uh, saying Carolina's campus is better or whatever. I'm just saying that when you go to a place, it's a lot different than how you picture it in your mind by looking at pictures. So I, I think Malachi Bennett as a human being is making a, a good choice. Yeah, I know you probably don't want to hear that. And, you know, so, so that's one. Number two, between now and the time he commits, he may very well back up and say, ah, you know, Ole Miss, you know, I don't know about them. And, you know, just go ahead and commit or hold off. Um, and then there's a the thing. If he does commit, I think Carolina's going to keep recruiting him and, Probably if they get him on campus, we'll have a good chance of of flipping him if he's comfortable on campus. And and that's what you got to all keep in mind, uh, is that these decisions are made based on comfort level. And any time, you know, I think you make a decision without having everything at your disposal to tap into that comfort level, you know, I think that that's that's probably a decision that that can be changed uh, when you're talking about the world of recruiting. All right, so that's that's recruiting Malachi Bennett. Um flip-flop on the crystal ball. Uh stay tuned to the bigspur.com and uh here and we'll keep you posted on all that. You know, like I said, I you know between now and the time he visits it it could change again. But um and and I want you guys to know and emphasize this because a lot of times when you have situations that change, you know. And sometimes this is justified, but fans will go, ah, he's wishy-washy. And, you know, they'll throw the flag out there with, hey, you know, this this kid may be more trouble than he's worth or whatever. Um, and, and sometimes that's the case. You know, sometimes there are other factors like with Jordan Birch driving it and it has nothing to do with Jordan Birch or his character or anything like that. Um, and then sometimes, you know, it's a situation where a kid's probably making the right call, you know, head versus heart. And so it gets fluid before he commits. So just keep in mind, you know, I've been through the Antonio Clay situation, the Alex Collins situation, the Latique Townsend situation, the Sam Montgomery situation over the years. Covered them all. Um, and, and it's not a deal where, you know, we're probably more than 10, 5 to 10% of the time, you know, the player ends up not being as good or whatever because of that. Now, sometimes um, that does happen. Antonio Clay and Latique Townsend, who both ended up at Clemson, linebackers, four- or five-star guys, never did much, you know. And I think they're kind of examples of they handled it the wrong way and never got de-recruited. Um, and then there's guys like, you know, Alex Collins that had a wild situation at the end. Uh, that went to Arkansas and was one of their, but was probably their best player for three years. Um, from South Florida, um, you know. So, so, so there's there's situations that go back and forth, and you know, I, it, it's a deal where you can't pigeonhole everybody or paint them with a broad brush. And I want you to know that you know, Malachi Bennett, I think, is is probably making the right decisions here, you know, across the board. And you know, you don't want to go someplace sight unseen. Uh, if he decides to come to Carolina site unseen, I think if you're the game coach, you take him. Um, you know, uh, he'll probably visit at some point. That means he's comfortable enough doing it. Um, but we'll see. But I, I don't want, you know, I don't want anybody to think if it goes back and forth over the next couple of days before he decides, that's the recruiting process taking place. You know, that's, well, how much does Ole Miss want you? Well, how much, you know, are they talking to you? Well, hey, we want you here, you know, and, Go with your heart over your head. You know they're they're going to continue to recruit it um, even after he commits. So we'll see about that. All right, the ACC pod idea. Check this out. Um, so there hadn't been a decision by the ACC, SEC, or Big Twelve as far as are they going to go conference only or not? My opinion is you're, you're going to probably not see the group of five. And I know that I know this is and this is my opinion. Um, and if you listen to J.C. and Morgan, you know that a full 12-game schedule as is is still on the table um, and could possibly happen. But, you know, and I'll add this to Greg Sankey's comments uh, to Al Kick yesterday about a school president said, I feel comfortable we can keep guys safe uh, because case numbers of positive numbers as expected with these, you know, SEC football players that have kind of been in the, the training bubble have dropped dramatically. They're in either single digits or down towards zero. Uh, And there were some schools, LSU had a lot of positives at the beginning. And I think, you know, again, my strong opinion there and what I believe to be fact actually is that they tested everybody when they got back. And yeah, there's some guys that had some positives, same thing at Clemson, you know, Clemson's stamped it out, you know, and, and, the virus is kind of spreading through Greenville and the upstate at the time when Clemson came back and, you know, and their players obviously are from all over. So you're going to have some positives. And then now there's no positives at Clemson, you know, so all the panic over there's 35 guys that have it. Well, you're panicking three weeks ago. Now that it's zero or in single digits, you hear nothing. You hear nothing from the national media, nothing. They're pointing at, you know, the biggest number possible. and I'm convinced some of those guys want there to be a cancellation of football or they're just scared of their own shadow um, and probably need to be wrapped in bubble wrap for the rest of their lives because there's that much fear bleeding through, okay? And, again, I'm not saying don't take the virus seriously, but this crap that we keep hearing from the national college football media is just that. For the life of me, Greg Sankey's quote yesterday should have been broadcast from the mountaintops because that is good news. It's good news that a school president, you know, feels confident, and because the, the presidents make the decisions, it's not the athletic director, it's the, the presidents. Um, feels confident that he can keep his student athletes safe and they can play on. That is good news. That should just broadcast it from the hilltops. But no. No, you don't hear about. It. All you hear is, "Oh, Florida's doing this, doing that, and the other." I think another thing to look out for before I get to this pod thing is there was a race at Bristol, thirty thousand in the stands. Watch East Tennessee, that region, and, and their cases and, and the numbers. And I know not everybody that was in the stands at Bristol's from East Tennessee, um, or, or Southwest Virginia, as it as it may be. Um, but watch that. That's a big gathering, you know, a fraction of what it seats, but a big gathering nonetheless with social distancing, mask, and stuff like that. And that's going to tell you some things. I mean, you know, sports are sports, crowds are crowds. You know, so are we going to have a huge outbreak from Bristol uh, or not? And I guarantee you nobody's going to cover it if they don't. If they do, <laughs> I mean, get ready, you know, because it, it's going to be like, oh. Oh, this is awful. Washington Post, New York Times, uh, CNN, all those folks are going to write about it. Folks on the other side probably won't. <laughs> <sighs> the media. Uh, but anyway, you know, so, so that's my take on, on all that. You know, watch all that. Um, again, the SEC cases are down. ACC cases are down as far as their student athletes go. Um, so here's the idea that the ACC's got. They're going to they're gonna have to take care of Notre Dame this year, and uh, they love Notre Dame, obviously. But, um, you know, it's uh, it's one of those things where uh, you know, you're trying to kind of get the season in and have a conference title game and all that. Um, and you've got 15 teams in the ACC now, so you'll have an uneven number. Of, if you go divisions, it's uneven. So, the pod system: so three five-team pods, uh, and then you play uh, eight conference games like they normally do in that league, and you just play everybody in your pod twice, like like NFL division style. <laughs> so, in other words, let's say you know Clemson has Duke, Virginia Tech, Georgia Tech. Um and Florida State in their division. They're going to Tallahassee and playing at Memorial Stadium. They're going to Atlanta and playing. So they're going back-to-back. You know, so how does this impact the SEC? What I think is, and I've heard this, you know, again, there's no guarantee, most conferences want to get to 10 games. You know, that makes sense. Uh, I think ESPN would like most schools to get to 10 games. That would fulfill their inventory. Um, it helps clarify the playoff picture. I think the Big Ten is probably going to play ten Big Ten games. I mean, they're going to they're gonna rock and roll with that. Pac-12 as well. Um, so if you're the ACC and SEC, you normally don't – and, and then I'll get to the Big 12 here in a second. You, you normally don't play but eight. You know, do you want to set the precedent and go to nine because that's, that's something the other schools or other conferences gripe about all the time? Or you want to keep it at eight league games? And then get together because there's already, you know, six games. And, and there, are, there are seven ACC-SEC games, but Georgia's got two of them. they got Virginia and Georgia Tech. So you have to think Georgia-Virginia is probably not going to happen uh, unless they just play the whole season, like, like, as scheduled, which is still on the table. Um, you know, so, so there's six games already scheduled ACC-SEC. Could you feel – if you're trying to get to ten, so that's two – Um, Do you fill it out with, you know, an an extra – if you're the SEC, extra conference and one ACC? Or do you keep it at eight because your school's probably like that? And do you cross schedule with the ACC that's going to need to fill to get to ten, you know, in most cases two games? You know, uh, probably at the end of the year. The other thing is this, the Big 12, if they go – if everybody goes conference only, maybe the Big 12 – signs a a deal with the American or whoever. But if you're the SEC, do you say, okay, we're going to have two non-conference, play the traditional in-state SEC-ACC rivals, all the SEC-ACC games that were scheduled, um, you know, and and in that case, I guess Georgia could play Virginia, um, and then go from there, or, you know, are you going to say, all right, you know, because the the Southeastern Conference and Big 12 – actually get along a little better than the ACC and SEC. Do you schedule the West one big 12 and one ACC? Um, I don't know. I don't know about the big 12 because again, TV drives this. And if you think about it, the SEC ACC networks are both ESPN Uh, big 12 does not have a network. Although the longhorn network, the one they do have for one school is indeed an ESPN creation as well. So you know that that's fascinating to me. You know, it, it, do we see Texas and Texas A and M play this year? Um, do they get off their high horse and think, "Well, this is good for college football if we do this." You know, how awesome would that be for those out in Texas? But I don't know. My my my. You know, my feeling is I don't know that the Big Twelve is going to be involved. Um, I think probably, you know, ACC network, SEC network, those need programming. Um, The Texas programming, live programming uh, requirements will probably be fulfilled as long as the Longhorns play. So I don't think they're worried about, you know, putting anything compelling on the Longhorn network as far as new games. But when you look at it, you know, that's a lot of inventory, you know, if you schedule two ACC games uh, for every SEC team and just kind of have a, Double challenge weekend. Now, if you're the Gamecocks, I, you know, and and I guess Notre Dame may be involved in this too. I don't don't think you want to play Notre Dame and Clemson. I don't think you, you know, want to play at Virginia Tech and at Clemson or something like that. Probably not Florida State, but I, yeah, there's really nobody else in that league. And I'm including the University of North Carolina on this. I mean, I, I think it'd be great if North Carolina played South Carolina this year. Um, and, you know, it was UNC and Clemson in addition to eight SEC games. Uh, I think that would be great. Now, uh, I also believe, and I wrote about this on the TheBigSpur.com yesterday, that they're going to try to get the division games out first, and then everything at the end will get chopped uh, in the interest of getting division champions and playing a conference championship game. So if that happens – and, look, I wouldn't mind if they went division only, played six – played two Big 12 and two ACC, I I wouldn't care. Or if they, they, you know, they just went division games and then you had two cupcakes and, you know, you give them the money and get them the money to roll and then play two ACC. I I wouldn't care about that at all. I I mean, I kind of – from South Carolina's perspective, you know, division play would be good. Um, You also have to consider this. I mean, what if the SEC went round robin? Four games against combined against Vandy and Missouri. Uh, you know, Kentucky, Tennessee, home and home, Florida and Georgia, home and home. I mean, you could probably have a pretty good record. I don't. I do not believe that you'll see that in the Southeastern Conference. I, I think that you know when you look at the pod thing with the ACC, that's because they have fifteen and they can do it. Um. The SEC will still have 14. You know, there's no, you know, school that's sort of an unofficial SEC member like Notre Dame is for um, the ACC. So you have an uneven number. I, th- I think th- I think they're going to – the Southeastern Conference is going to put emphasis on division. So we may see the Iron Bowl, you know, in October this year. You know, you may see LSU-Bama early on. And I don't know how they're going to do it schedule-wise. Will they follow the order they have now? Will they just blow the whole thing up and say, "Okay, here's what's going to happen"? You know, those are the questions that will be answered, I think, in the next two weeks. Along with, will they play at all? When will this? You know, and my, I'll say this too. I think that the chances of them starting Labor Day weekend are probably a little slim. Although, if everybody's healthy, as far as the players and coaches go uh, within the programs right now, maybe, maybe not. You know, maybe they do start on time. Uh, my guess is we're probably looking at September 19th to start the season, you know, um, or, you know, if they do want to start at Labor Day and they back everything up uh, and, and it's just conference games and an ACC or whatever, you know, then then they probably play Missouri Labor Day weekend and start it up, you know, so I don't know. So NCAA just announced they're going to make medical recommendations to add uniformity to COVID testing procedures. So, you know, when there's a quote here from a coach, it's a mess and we have no leadership from the NCAA, it's a damn joke. So don't know who said that, but you're right. The NCAA he, he's right. NCAA's just taking this one off. I mean, just like, oh, well, here's what we got to do. Um, and I don't know. I don't know if – I'm surprised the Power Five commissioners haven't been able to come to a consensus. They're supposed to be, supposed to be smart people. Um, They've figured out everything else, but, um, you know, I guess the NCAA, you know, it almost to me, I, I, that's a very bureaucratic political politically driven, you know, PR, you know, skewed organization, you know, they, they want the NCAA to look good, you know, and, and, and to be, you know, in everybody's good graces and all that. So, so I don't know. That may scare me a little bit if they're tinkering around with, you know, anything but recommendations. But this is recommendations. So we'll kind of see how it, how it happens. And I, and I bet that quote was probably from a group of five coach, because if I was the group of five right now, I'd be I'd be a little I'd be very I'd be more concerned than if I were a power five coach so you know it it looks pretty good you know who knows what will happen I think it's kind of you know the the good news in all this is that that it's kind of neat or fun you know to see a different type of schedule you know I I, and I I think that about Major League Baseball too Um, those of you that know me know I spent some time in Chicago Um, big big Cubs and White Sox fans here I think that I'm going to have to pull for the White Sox, but I still like the Cubs. I'm actually a Braves fan, but uh, you know, I, somebody I know is a is a Southie, you know, from the South Side. So I gotta, I probably gotta gotta you know go with the the team from the South Side if it's between them. But but the good news about this baseball season is uh, number one, it's 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 only four games longer than a collegiate baseball season, so it's going to go by pretty fast. Sixty games, it's a mad dash. Uh, which I think is cool for the sport. Uh, and then you kind of look at the schedule and you look at the end and the Cubs and White Sox play three games the last series of the season. Um, so what if, like, you know, the NL Central and AL Central are on the lines and you've got this, you know, subway series, for lack of a better term, um, and the Cubs and White Sox battling it out. What's that going to do for the morale of the um, sports fans uh, in the city of Chicago. There will be many Miller Lights drank and many hot dogs with tomatoes and mustard and relish. I mean, sorry, yeah, and and pickles on them consumed. Um, And that will be good, I think. So, you know, you look at it from that standpoint, you know, and that's why I mentioned will Texas and Texas A&M play because those types of things are good, you know, we, we talk about bringing sports back for the good of their culture and society, and those types of things are good. Fans love it. They love it. It's a surprise. And and quite frankly, college football has gotten somewhat monotonous the last few years. So, you know, mix it up a little. Yeah, so you play a home and home this year for once. You know, so, so you go and, you know, Carolina gets a shot at North Carolina again, you know, which I think most around Columbia would love to see that happen. Um you know, so Texas and Texas A&M play. You know, I mean, that, 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 this is, there's nothing normal about this year. And you, I think you want to make it as exciting and interesting as possible. Uh, because the bottom line, too, is, you know, that crowd at Bristol you saw last night, percentage wise, is probably what you're getting in stadiums max. And it's, I wouldn't be surprised if there were no fans to start with. So it's going to be a made for TV deal. And so uh, we'll see kind of what happens with that all right so I always like to kind of close the show with uh, you know some some real talk about football um, I'm thinking about the quarterback situation right now I think I think in my opinion that Ryan Helensky should be the starter um I, I think he's he's talented. I think, you know, he he wasn't great last year. I I don't think he was as good as Jake Bentley was when Jake was a freshman. But I don't think that a lot of that was really his fault. Uh, I think he's got a rocket arm. Um, I think that Mike Bobo has a long line of quarterbacks like Ryan Helensky that he's developed and, and had success with. I think in that system he's a great fit, et cetera, et cetera. But that's what I think. That's my it's JC Sherbert's opinion. The reality is Colin Hill's going to give him a run for his money. And maybe Luke Doty too. Um and you know I, I go back and forth. I thought Colin Hill was a steal for Colorado State when he came out of Dorman High School saw him at the Shrine Bowl that year thought he was really good. Um I was like man this guy, you know, where is I mean, I actually asked him, where's, like, North Carolina on this kid? You know, where's NC State? You know, those types of schools. Um, And he went out to Fort Collins and and played a lot during his career. Now, I've gone back and watched his game film. I just don't know. You know, I like him. I think he's got a big arm and he's big. He's not all that mobile. Um, When he's humming, he's humming. He can zip it in there. And he knows the system, and he's familiar with everything. And 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 you know, the question for me is going to come down to: Is he good enough to where you you start him, um, or is, is 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 it close enough to where Helensky's a little better? You know, let's start him. I, I'm not a big fan of starting someone just because they know the system. I think that's a very conservative approach. Um, what well, Mike Bobo is going to make that call, and I will tell you that you know, even though my opinion is. I'd go with Helensky and and make sure, coach him up and do all that. You know, it may not happen. (laughs) It literally may not happen. Uh, We may be looking at a a year of Colin Hill, and if that that is the case, and I'm wrong, and I say this every day, I've been wrong before, and I'll be wrong again. (laughs) If I'm wrong and Hill's absolutely the best guy that gives the Gamecocks the best chance of winning – um, and, and, hey, great. He's an in-state kid, Dorman high school, Spartanburg County. Hooray. Hooray for that, if that happens. Um, maybe you redshirt Helensky. I don't know because then, you know, you got Doty to you redshirt him. And I don't know. Log jam a, a little bit there. So, I don't know. I mean, I think everybody's pulling for Ryan. I think everybody loves his story. Uh, I appreciate his enthusiasm for life and his enthusiasm for the program and, and the state of South Carolina and, and his family. I mean, I've, I've, uh, his oldest brother, Kelly. Um, I scouted him out in Las Vegas, I think five, six years ago, uh, or probably shoot eight years ago. It was what, it was when I met Snoop dog. If you guys have seen that picture at a seven on seven out in Vegas and, you know, he was a, a high school quarterback at the time. And, and, and always a great guy to talk to and interview, really humble. I don't remember Tyler all that much. You know, I, I don't know that I did that many West coast things. I'm sure I saw him. Um, and then Ryan came along. So, you know, I I've got a lot of respect for him and his family and I, and I, and I hope, you know, and this is different for me, believe you know. This is different for my football opinion. I hope he tears it up this year. Um, I hope that things happen. Um, on that regard. I hope that I I believe that because I think he's got a really good arm, arm talent and all that. Will it happen? I'm just going to go ahead and prepare you right now and and say it may not. And it may not make a lot of sense to you guys, but you know, this coaching staff has to win. And if Colin Hill gives them the best chance to win rally around that dude. And you know, Hey, like I said, Spartanburg County guy, Um, game have done pretty well with those guys. Uh, in recent years, if you consider the Marcus Lattimore's of the world and the Nick Jones, the Debo Samuels, uh, even the Tavian Feaster last year, Spartanburg High School, really good player. That's my home county, so I'm a little biased, but rally around him there. And hell, if it ends up being Luke Doty, even better. And, and, and keep in mind this, too. And then, you know, you look at other programs, they're very successful, the there's no quarterback controversy that happens there. There's just guys that get beat out. Um, I don't think anybody thought Jacob Eason when he threw that, what should have been the game-winning touchdown pass on a rope uh, to Riley Ridley against Tennessee. And, of course, Tennessee came back and got him with that miracle pass from Josh Dobbs to – I think it was Jennings. Um, How good was J- to want Jawan Jennings? Wow. Um. You know, when he threw that pass that day, I was like, he's going to probably win the national championship at Heisman at UGA. Well, within a year, he's injured and beat out. And now he's ba- he's back at Washington, and now I guess he got drafted because um, Jake Fromm came in and beat him out. And, and now you look at Georgia too. There's a lot of people that think Justin Fields should have beaten <laughs> uh, our guy out. You know, Trevor Lawrence beat Kelly Bryant out at Clemson. Tennessee played three different quarterbacks last year. I mean, it's a situation where I know we always want, and I'm the same way. I always want to, like, put things in the box and say, okay, this guy's going to take over this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy. But it doesn't always work that way, you know. And, and, and nine times out of ten, you know, even in hindsight, you look back and go, well, yeah, you know, this guy was just better. Again, my belief is, my opinion is, Holinsky's going to get the job, be the best guy for the job. Uh, I just from an and I look at a lot of things from strictly from an evaluation standpoint so I'm not there coaching them every day Um, my feedback has been keep an eye on Colin Hill it's not a done deal you know they're going to battle it out Um, and then of course I continue to hear great things about Luke Doty so that's my spiel on the most important position on the field. Glad we could end up with that today here on Inside the Gamecast Podcast. Head on over to the iTunes Apple Store. Apple iTunes. It's Apple Podcast now, but I just still call it iTunes, I know. Um, it's kind of like calling Shoney's the big boy. Was Shoney's the big boy? I remember Shoney's had a big boy out in the front of it. Or maybe I dreamed that. I don't know. Um, somebody let me know. Uh, you know, it, 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 so I still call it iTunes. So head on over to the the iTunes Store, the Apple Podcast deal. So your, if you're if you're on iPhone, it's on your apps, Podcast. Just bring it up. Please rate me five stars. Uh When I first started this, I had some haters out there that jumped on it and ended up giving me a bunch of one star ratings. But I I know that's not true. I mean, I'm not saying this is an award winning podcast or anything. But most people seem to enjoy it, and that's why I'm doing it. If I didn't have an audience, I I wouldn't. Definitely wouldn't waste my time. Uh, so go ahead and do that for me if you don't mind. That helps get the podcast up in mentions or whatever um, on Apple, uh, so we get more listeners and have a lot more fun. Um, thank you all for listening. Oh, you can also follow the, the this podcast has a Twitter account. It's at the Big Spur Pod at the Big Spur Pod, um, and then on Instagram it's in at Inside the Gamecocks. That Instagram page probably needs to be updated a little bit, but the Twitter accounts at the Big Spur Pod. So the iTunes store, you know, do three things in this order. Most important, get on the iTunes store, give me a rating, write a review. Um, number two, follow us on the Twitter at the Big Spur Pod. Uh, and then, you know, if you want to go check out the Instagram page and follow it uh, in the interest of maybe some stuff being posted there in the future, feel free to go ahead and do that. All right. This is JC Sherbert. This has been, The Inside the Gamecocks podcast daily report on July 16th, uh, Thursday. Be back with you tomorrow. I'm bringing more stuff. Maybe Malachi Bennett and that situation has changed by then. Who knows what will happen. But for now, I'm signing off. You guys have a great day. Holla at you soon.